We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hit and run. Sundays, 9 a.m. to noon. Hayward lines one to left. Down the line. In the corner. That ball is going to be... That ball is going to be a home run. I believe they've called it a home run. I had to wait. Finally, DJ Rayburn, the third base umpire, signaling home run. I'm not sure if the Dodgers will challenge it. A line drive opposite field home run just inside the foul pole at the 330 sign. It was called fair. The Dodger people are on the telephone. Foul ball. They have called it a foul ball and no home run for Hayward. Here's a swing and a drive. Deep right center. Trouble all the way back. Home run. Dodgers win. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Ah, good morning, baseball people. Happy Sunday to you. Hope all is well. Is all well? It should be. It uh, is going to be a day free of rain, I believe, in the forecast today. At least my glance at the weather app on my phone with the hourly showed not any percentages of rain. I, I think that's good to have no percentages at all of rain. I, I find that to be a good thing. And that means maybe the White Sox can get in there 16 scheduled innings of baseball today in an odd little suspension from MLB yesterday of the White Sox and the Mariners. That'll be picked up later on today. And the Cubs in L.A. should have no such issues as they will try to go for a split of their series. Good morning to you. Going to enjoy myself today uh, talking baseball with you on a Sunday morning and hope you will join me. And hang out for the next three hours. We are here 9 to 12 on Sundays, sometimes a little bit later. A, a lovely Father's Day show last week that I enjoyed so much with all of you. So thank you for all of you for your involvement. Thanks for some kind words during the week. And for those of you who went back to the, um, went back to the, the podcast and checked in, we are, uh, we are a week later and things have changed a little bit. The White Sox still comfortably in first place. Well, you know, as comfortable as it can get these days. Two games over the Cleveland Indians and the Cubs now two back of the Milwaukee Brewers who have won four in a row and have found some offense. Friday night, a miraculous comeback by the Milwaukee Brewers. And they are rolling. Four in a row, six and four in their last ten. And after the Cubs finish up in L.A., they go to Milwaukee starting tomorrow and face the three toughest pitchers the Brewers have. Three big, strong right-handers who throw high fastballs and sliders and or curves and strike out a lot of people. And that historically terrible matchup for the Cubs. But we will see. We will see. Um, they've been playing okay, have the Cubs. They've lost two in a row. 
But those were some entertaining games. And they got absolutely robbed last night. We will talk about that. And you heard it there in the open. A few different things going on today. First of all, Ron Coomer is going to join us later on. I love talking baseball with Coom, talking hitting, and of course, Cubs and whatever. Um, There are no other guests, which means that these next few hours are you and me. So text us at 312-644-6767. Or you can call all morning long and talk White Sox, talk Cubs, whatever you like. And we will interact on all things. Uh, I have a lot of things I want to get to. I have an absolutely beautiful story from an unlikely big market behemoth, at least unlikely in my mind. We'll get to that towards the end of the day. Babe effing Ruth has arrived in full. We need to talk about that. Uh, I was at the Sox on Friday night for 100% capacity and fireworks. Want to give you some impressions of that game or that experience, even though the game itself was an ugly dud. Uh, I mentioned Hayward and the Cubs getting robbed. We'll talk about that. I want to talk about the no, no, as I saw Book Shambi call it, instead of no, no, the no-K-N-O-W, as the Cubs did not understand and realized that was a no-hitter that was highly entertaining on Thursday night. And I wasn't on on Friday on the radio on uh, Parkins and Spiegel, so I haven't had a chance to discuss that. want to squeeze that in somewhere along the way. And we also have a retiree who spurs musical memories. And that retiree also spurs memories of a, a, a play and a moment that needs to be contextualized. Because I think a Cubs stalwart is not here without the contributions of that retiree. And we'll explain that a little bit later on. But if you haven't seen the tweet from Bob Nightingale last night, We need to discuss that. There is probably no more reliable source for White Sox news because Bob Nightingale has a direct link to ownership and always has stuff that may feel a little unlikely, but then ends up coming true, including the entirety of the Tony La Russa saga. So, but does ownership know? About Eduardo Escobar, maybe Bob talks to more. Here's the tweet from Bob Nightingale last night about Eduardo Escobar, the Arizona Diamondbacks veteran infielder, has played a lot of short and third in his life, lately playing a lot of second and grading out pretty well over there at second base. And the White Sox, very much in need of either outfield depth or infield depth. Leori Garcia allows them to go for either. And Danny Mendick's flexibility allows them to go for either. But here's the tweet from Nightingale. Uh, About eight hours ago, Eduardo Escobar, four for five with a double and a homer and five RBIs and soon on his way from the D-backs to the White Sox, comma, is about to end the D-backs 24 game road losing streak before he departs. They are up 10 to nothing, blah, 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 blah. There was more of the tweet, but what? Huh? After the uh, third comma of the tweet, this parenthetical although there are no parentheses. So this sentence fragment, it kind of jumps off the screen, doesn't it? And soon on his way from the D-backs to the White Sox. And then the fourth comma comes in and the tweet rolls on. This is the, uh, this is the tweet version. And there's, a, of, and there's a drive to left by Castellanos and it will be a home run. Just an aside, as Bob is talking about something completely different, Just on the side, he mentions soon on his way from the D-backs to the White Sox. 
As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. In its own way, it's murdered the tweet equivalent. And then set on fire yes. while celebrating his birthday. Yes, you must be careful. Semantics are a big deal. Phrasing matters. Pauses matter. But oh my God, Eduardo Escobar apparently on the way. All right, so when? Bob, could you insert another sentence fragment, please, and say when that's coming, and then in another sentence fragment, please, who's going in exchange? See, Bob knows these things, and I guess it's fait accompli to him. He had certainly hinted at it the other day, and Eduardo Escobar would be a terrific acquisition. Um, it's, I actually very much like the idea of getting an outfielder instead, but if you do get an infielder, then you can play Leory Garcia in the outfield. And you can play Danny Mendick a little bit in the outfield. But I, I really like the idea of an outfielder instead. But Eduardo Escobar can hit. I, I know there's, it's kind of a low OBP the last couple years, but he's got a lot of power. And you saw it again yesterday. Is, is he at 16 homers now or is he up to 17 homers now? He's a guy who can play all over the infield. Could occasionally spell you on Moncada at third. Seventeen, def- yes, yeah, seventeen homers for Escobar. Could could spell Moncada at third. His defense has been awkward at best, um, especially over recent few weeks. And could slot in right there at second base and return Garcia and Mendick to roles that suit them better. Now, I like Danny Mendick. And I think they'd be okay with Danny Mendick for an extended period of time there, which is why I've been advocating for outfield help with a lot of really good, interesting names out there for outfield help. But Escobar makes a ton of sense as a switch hitter with a lot of pop. I know he was supposed to have an MRI on his right quad uh, last week or maybe last weekend. But he has continued to play. I'm not sure if there was details that came out of that MRI. But he obviously continues to play. And I don't think it'll cost you a lot, especially if you're going to pick up the money. There's $7.5 million on his salary for this year. If you pick all that up prorated, maybe it won't cost you that much. It would cost you less, certainly, than Cattell Marte or probably Starling Marte, or some of the other outfield pieces. So we will wait, and we will see if Eduardo Escobar comes to the White Sox, but color me surprised if he does not, once Bob Nightingale has declared. So we'll be watching. And we'll be checking that out. Real quick uh, on the quad injury. It was described yes, as minor, and uh, he pinched hit uh, the, the next day and hit his first pinch hit career home run. So okay. I, I don't think it's a big deal. So not a big deal on the quad. How would you, Sox fan Sean Anderson, feel about an acquisition of Eduardo Escobar for this team right now? I wouldn't love it. I, I think the big thing about him is he's he mashes left-handers. And, I mean, so far that hasn't been the narrative with the White Sox. I understand, you know, last year they, they at, you know, 11-0 against left-handers, and we haven't seen that this year. They struggled against Kikuchi on Friday night. Um, mm. And Andrew Vaughn is still mashing lefties. But I, I think right now any offense is good offense. Um, but I don't know if I love Escobar at the end of October on this team. Hmm. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, I, I understand that. Well, things could have a way of, uh, of, of shifting out and being 
very different by the time October comes. I mean, if you've got Eloy back and you've got Luis back, then you've got a very different kind of situation. And second base becomes, you know, becomes Liori and or Escobar and or Mendick. And, you know, and it's possible that by then you've taken a look at Tim Beckham, who's a, you know, a replacement level, if slightly or perhaps slightly below middle infielder, the former number one overall pick. It could be that Jake Berger has come up by the time September hits and rosters are slightly expanded and you've gotten a look at that. You'll have options there. I, 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 I like this in terms of the ease of acquisition, if this is what you go for. It's extremely cost-effective, which is probably why they're leaning that way. I'd rather have the outfield bat, but it'd be nice to bring in some offense, and that is a professional big league hitter. That right. is you, a... You yes. only have one second baseman injured, where you have four outfielders injured. That's how I look at it, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's easier to replace him with Mendick, Leary, and, and, and Berger, too, or, or Beckham. Like, I, I like those options better than Escobar because I'd rather spend those prospects and that, that, that type of uh, cachet on an outfielder or, or bullpen help, too. Yeah, no, I, 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 understandably. Um, so we'll see and, and, and we'll follow along. There's lots of options out there. Time is now to make a deal. As I've been looking around for the outfield, I, I mean, folks have dealt here. People have been active. There and but nobody's gone for the big fish. But like, there's been little things, you know. I mean, Willie Adamas going to Milwaukee has been a big, big deal for the Brewers. He has spurred them. He's a very good player that a lot of people got their first extended look at in the playoffs last year for Tampa Bay. He has really helped Milwaukee quite a bit. Uh, Billy McKinney going from Milwaukee to the Mets. Um, Jake Bowers, you're seeing here with Seattle. He went from Cleveland. He's actually been really good for Seattle. 17 hits and a 350 OBP as a Mariner in 14 games. Mitch Hanniger of the Mariners is in town here to watch. It's a right fielder with some pop. An arb year or two, I believe two arbitration years left for Mitch Hanniger. So I don't know if they want that kind of full-on commitment. The guy I want is Starling Marte. That's the guy I want. I love Cattell Marte. But I think Starling is having as good or if not a slightly better year and is still a very fast player with a terrific arm, a good outfielder and a straight rental, a straight rental from Miami, which should cost you a lot less than what you'd have to give up for Cattell Marte. So I'd be holding out hope for that. Today, um, the White Sox will pick up their suspended game without the benefit of Lance Lynn for the final six innings. And then after that, they'll play a seven-inning second game. So we have doubleheader protocols in place for the Sox, which means a 27th man can be called up for both the Sox and the Mariners today. And uh, after that game suspended... I don't know that we have clarity yet on some of the pitching. We'll wait for it. Dallas Keuchel is going to go in the second game. Um, Lucas Giolito was supposed to start tomorrow night against the Twins. He could probably work today on regular rest, having not pitched since Tuesday in Pittsburgh. I tell you what, uh, it ended up being an absolutely beautiful night last night. I think it was here locally. I was out in the Burbs, had a gig actually last night, playing music outside for people. 
in Wheaton under a band shell. Ended up being a very cool and lovely summer evening. And that could have been the White Sox playing in that last night. But no, MLB and the umpires in charge after the game had begun. And they end up calling it in the fourth as they did. All right, it's hit and run with me, Matt Spiegel, here with you on 670 The Score. Let's come back and talk about the home run that wasn't and the state of the Cubs as they battle the Dodgers. Lots to come here on Hit and Run. Just getting rolling in our two-team town on 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Here's a swing and a drive. Deep right center. Trouble all the way back. Home run. Dodgers win. A breaking ball. He got it up. Bellinger hits a booming home run to right center. No doubt about it. Well up into the stands. And the Dodgers have beaten the Cubs by a score of 3-2. to two. Cubs lose to the Dodgers out in L.A. Cody Bellinger with the walk-off. But it should have been a very, very different situation. Absolutely got robbed. Totally got robbed. Because that Jason Hayward home run to left was a home run. And... I don't know why the third base umpire was so unsure, but he got very unsure all of a sudden and asked for help. DJ Rayburn did, and it turned disastrous. If you missed the umpiring disaster last night, the third base umpire, DJ Rayburn, is beyond third base down the left field line. He's staring down the line as a Jason Hayward opposite field Gork shot, actually, of sorts, even though it carries, goes right just inside the left field line, the left field foul pole for a home run. Very difficult to see. Very dark out there. Odd shadows. Difficult to see on TV, too. Difficult to see for the broadcasters. You heard Joe Buck's tone. He clearly did not see it. He said, and the baseball disappears. Now, I think the baseball disappeared because it went behind the foul pole. That's part of why it disappeared. But it was very, very difficult to see. I get that. But DJ Rayburn makes the call and calls it fair. And then all of a sudden the umpires gather and he's overruled. How the hell is the third base umpire, the closest umpire who's staring right down there to make the call, how was he overruled by the home plate ump or by others? 
Apparently, he doubted his own call. His quote after the game to a pool reporter, quote, Originally, I thought the ball went around the pole. I had doubts on the original call, so I wanted to get together with the crew. Based on the information they gave me, I wanted to change it. Okay, that's too bad, because I think you had it right. And the problem was, once it was changed on the field by the crew, then when David Ross pushes it to replay, because it's a boundary call and you can push it to replay, then in replay they need definitive proof to overturn it from foul ball back to home run. If they had left that thing as a home run, it would have been kept a home run in replay. I'm convinced of that. Now, there obviously is some footage, supposedly, that we haven't seen yet. This is what they always say, is that in New York, they have access to other angles that we do not and other shots that we do not, okay? And then eventually, do we ever see that stuff? Not, not really. I don't remember seeing that stuff. Sean, do you ever remember seeing that for any replay, like later, like the day later or hours later? They're like, here you go. Take a look. MLB has a replay Twitter account. Do they share the alternate views on that Twitter account? I've never seen it. I've never seen it. Especially stuff like early in the season when there was that uh, Braves-Philly play at the plate to end the game. Like, you, you never see anything like that. No, you never see the supposed other angles that they always hint at and they want us to believe exist. I don't know if it exists. I do know that that really looked like a home run. And that being overturned on the field ends up leading to the disaster of the replay not being able then to be overturned. DJ Rayburn has has had a rough series. Some bumpy plays on Thursday night during the no-no, and then behind the plate on Friday. Last night he makes the right call and then gets nervous, is what it seemed like. Here's Jason Hayward after the game talking about his home run being overturned. Yeah, I I never saw it, uh, Gordon. I, I never saw the ball actually leave I don't I didn't see where it landed didn't see what it hit I still haven't seen the replay yet um you know after the game at this point and as far as them looking at it um you know I guess they had to look at what they had to look at I don't know what kind of angle again I obviously I haven't seen the replays but I don't know what kind of angle they had on TV I think our our guys were saying they didn't see enough to overturn it but you know who knows so I, I gotta see it I haven't seen it yet sorry so that was Hayward after David Ross after had a similar tone. Like I, I trust replay. He didn't really see it. Nobody could really see it. It was difficult to see. It, it had a, it had a Homer in the gloaming kind of feel to it for all you big time Gabby Hartnett fans out there. I know you're out there. Here's a little more Hayward on the team reacting to the overturned home run. You know, everybody's like, well, if he called it a Homer, it was a Homer. And as far as far away as we were first base side, you know, not even in line with home plate. And then there were shadows over there. I think it was kind of tough for all of us. So I don't think anyone knew for sure until they said, all right, well, it's, it's a foul ball replay-wise. But we still couldn't say, all right, we, we 100% know it's foul. Yeah, so I know it's difficult to see, but think about the difference that makes. If it's 3-2 Cubs in the seventh, then, you know, you're, you're, you might still be getting Rex Brothers, but then you're getting Kimbrel. You're getting Kimbrel, and you're not getting Keegan Thompson, who goes out there and ends up giving up the walk-off to Bellinger because it's a lead situation. Your even-or-ahead guys are going. You might have gotten Chafin um, and then Kimbrel. Although Brothers was good last night. Brothers came in and struck out the side. 
Winkler came in and struck out three of the five men he pitched to. Brad Wick was in after Alec Mills, and he struck out three of the four men he pitched to. Brad Wick is on fire. That Cubs bullpen is back to being a thing. I mean, it has been steadily, but they gave up two two two-run homers late on Friday night. Last night, very good again after Alec Mills was shaky but survived four innings, giving up eight hits and two runs. Point being that home run not being a home run changed everything. It's a big, big deal. Difficult to see. I understand. But annoying. Um, I'll say this. Jason Hayward is on fire right now. Did I, I don't know if anybody heard me with Parkins the other day, but... I, I, I got to say, I, I kind of flat out expressed that I was ready to give up on Jason Hayward at the plate. This is what I get for giving up on a guy. I never give up on guys. I tend to always believe that people can transform themselves, that people can adjust. And baseball has proven it over and over and over again. But man, I didn't see this coming. This is three straight multi-hit games for Jason Hayward, even after that home run that wasn't. He slapped a hard single the opposite way. Last night, there was a ground ball to the right side that squeezed through for an infield single, I guess you'd call it, although the second baseman dove and made the stop on the infield single about 15 feet into right field, as you do. There was a leadoff double down the left field line in the fifth. That was followed by an Ian Happ opposite field double when he was pinch hitting. That was huge. Those two guys coming up with one. But yeah, man, I, I didn't see this um, offensive moment and resurgence coming for Jason Hayward. It's been a very, very, very rough go. Maybe, uh, I mean, look, he's been looking opposite field. Got to look opposite field. Especially against the lefty, Julio Arias, as he had last night. Gonsolin the night before. So I guess that means we'll see Hayward in the lineup tonight against Kershaw as well. So good for him. Did not see that coming. I think a big thing with him, too, is his launch angle. It seems like he's just hitting the ball up now because he's been hitting the ball fairly hard looking at his numbers right now. His average uh, exit velocity is around 88. Seems like he's just getting the ball up in the air a little bit more. His uh, launch angle has been spiking over the past couple of days. That's interesting. Well, but uh, two of the hits yesterday are on the ground. Um, and, and the, the double is, is in the air, but you know, it, it, J- Jason's been a, a guy who's hit uh, way too many ground balls for a long time. And it's just that swing has been, has been gettable. There's a hole in there that has been exposed, but Goodyear last year in the 60 games, he and Hap were the best offensive players on this team last year. Just been a rough go, a very, very rough go for uh, Jason so far, but in the middle of a hot streak. And that is true. Uh, Alec Mills got in trouble in the third, got in trouble again in the fourth and was able to get out of it. Wilson Contreras with a beautiful snap throw to third to get Chris Taylor napping off third base in the fourth. Contreras is so, so good. So the Cubs will go for the split, as I mentioned later on today. Um, Some news on the White Sox front. Jimmy Lambert is the 27th man being called up to uh, 
be the uh, extra arm for the White Sox for essentially what is a doubleheader today. And I would assume that he starts that first game or picks it up where it left off. So you go ahead and throw in Jimmy Lambert on some full rest, let him go a few innings, then use your bullpen as needed. A lot of injuries that we need to sort out for these teams, for the White Sox and the Cubs. A lot of things we got to figure out, and we will do so. We'll spend a little time and look at all the injuries in the next hour and try to update you as best we can. Uh, and see, you know, when people can expect things back. One interesting note uh, for the White Sox that I saw yesterday is that Jace Fry, the left-handed reliever, was reinstated off of the 60-day injured list and sent to Charlotte. And that's an interesting thing because Garrett Crochet has had some tough moments here. And Jace Fry is a more comfortable and proven reliever at least based on what Crochet has shown you this year. So if Jace Fry gets up to speed, I would, not see, I would not be surprised to see them give him a shot and send Garrett down perhaps with an eye towards letting him start. Just Crochet's stuff has not been what it was last year. And if the long-term plan is starting and Fry is a more ready big league reliever, I think that is something that they will consider as the days and weeks go on. This uh, texture is getting in on the home run. It was probably foul. I think it was fair myself. He was saying fair, and I was saying foul. Texture says it was probably foul. But I, was, I, was I was meaning to say, well, see, I'm getting confused now. I was meaning to say foul. I was saying fair. Lou was saying fair. We both were saying fair. So the umpires, I guess, said, well, okay. So they left it fair. That's what happened. Oh, God bless you, Sean. That is Terry Bevington. Uh, every time I think of a fair or foul call, I end up going to Terry Bevington who argued himself into a circle with Lou Pinella in that game years ago. Terry Bevington, former White Sox manager, he literally had a duck season, rabbit season moment where Bugs flips Daffy Duck. So he tells him it's duck season, it's rabbit season, duck season, it's rabbit season, it's rabbit season, it's duck season, it's rabbit season, it's duck season. And by then you're arguing against yourself. That's actually what happened to Terry Bevington. Unbelievable. Memorable forever. How was there not a better camera shot on both foul poles? Remember, there secretly is in New York in the replay room. And another texter reminds us that, of course, they have an alternate angle of the Kennedy assassination also there. Zapruder film? Ah, we can do better. We're not going to show it to you, but just trust us. We have it. That's what the Warren Commission had. Uh, I want to come back and honor a retiree in musical fashion and contextualize his existence for you a little bit and what what his career I think did to bring a Cubs stalwart here to the north side we'll explain all of that when we come back next on 670 the score to center again (laughs) see you later like a video game, Bob. <laughs> the Nats lead 4-0. And there are people watching on TV and in the ballpark down in Miami who are in disbelief. And two of them are sitting next to each other right here. Wow. Well, this one got over 400 feet, so now he's back to normal. <laughs> Pete tried to sneak three heaters by him, got the first two for call strike. 
center cut, perfect swing that we've been seeing. Oh, seems like once a game. We're watching Babe Ruth. You being Babe Ruth. <laughs> uh, Jim Gray was talking about Tom Brady, but it's Babe effing Ruth right now. Kyle Schwarber is that guy. I, I assume by now everyone knows the Babe effing Ruth story. If you don't, little, little, um, a little context for you. When Kyle Schwarber was drafted by the Cubs fourth overall out of Indiana, the scout that pounded on the table in the Cubs draft room and said, we got to get this guy, was Stan Zielinski, the late Stan Zielinski, a legendary scout. And apparently at the time, he said, you don't understand. He's babe effing Ruth. Except he didn't say effing. He said what that is approximating. He's babe effing Ruth. I ended up hearing that story Later, uh, after Schwarber had been playing for a month in A-ball and was just absolutely mashing, I was at an event at Wrigley Field and a Cubs executive was there with a drink in his hand. And I said, how about this kid Schwarber? And he turned to me and he said, he's babe effing Ruth. I was like, whoa. Ended up sharing that around and that got around. And then the whole thing ends up coming out a little bit later. And Schwarber shows up and you understand why the scout thought that. He has a very calm steady presence at the plate it's very striking and kind of intimidating and sometimes the homers just look easy coming off the bat of Kyle Schwarber a long interesting run as a cub ultimately a little disappointing clearly he did set some incredible playoff records and provide memorable world series stuff in the title run he did it 38 homers two years ago After a terrible 2020, he was non-tendered. And right now in Washington, he is playing some of the best baseball of his life. Just had 12 homers in a 12-game span, all out of the leadoff spot. He's back there leading off. Remember when Joe Madden put him in the leadoff spot? He said that Kyle was, you know, that they loved having Kyle out there because he would IF the pitchers. Go out there and IF them. (laughs) intimidate them with that first appearance ended up not working out too well in that leadoff spot ended up going down to the minors i mean you remember all of that but here he is kyle schwarber on a one-year prove-it deal in washington a 10 million dollar contract he'll be a free agent at the end of the year and right now kyle schwarber has 22 home runs and 50 rbis And he's just absolutely on fire. So what's going on with Kyle Schwarber? He says his swing feels better than it has in his entire career. You know what he's doing in the batting cage? He's using a high T. Think about this. He's got the T set up very high, and he's just been hammering away at high fastballs, high stuff in the zone, theoretically, so they can't sneak the high fastball by him. The hitting coach in Washington is a guy named Kevin Long, who has a long track record of success stories for him. A, a lot of times, the, the quality of a hitting coach ends up being gauged by anecdotes, and it gets frustrating to people. But anecdotally, Kevin Long has helped a lot of people. When he was the Yankees hitting coach, when he was the Mets hitting coach. Remember when Curtis Granderson all of a sudden emerged anew as a power source 
That was a Kevin Long success story, among many, many others. Kyle Schwarber right now is hammering high cheese. He's always been able to crush off speed, but you remember watching as pitchers would be able to sneak high fastballs right by him. Not anymore. He just had a stretch where he had eight homers in a five-game span. Here's the total list of people who've ever done that. Sean Green of the Dodgers at the time, Josh Hamilton, Barry Bonds, Manny Ramirez, Frank Howard in 1968, Ralph Kiner in 1947, and Kyle Schwarber. That's it. He's crushing off speed, now crushing high fastballs. And he says he's not thinking home run. Staying super focused on his next at bat as soon as he crosses the plate. He's thinking about the next at bat, how he's going to be attacked, how he needs to approach it. Good for him. Uh, Very mentally taxing game. Had seen several times along the way when Kyle Schwarber was pressing and all up in his own head. He's in a really good, healthy place right now. And he is hitting the hell out of the ball. 22 homers for Kyle Schwarber. Unbelievable. So, Schwarber rolling in Washington. 0 for 4 yesterday, but still absolutely on fire. How mad do you think Joe Madden is, by the way? In terms of... The fact that this is finally working for Schwarber. Just because I think people ridiculed him in the city for batting Schwarber leadoff so many times and now seeing him Uh go on this tear. I think it it has to be validation in some ways. Yeah, you know, it, it could be. But there's like... A, a lot of times these things get tried and they fail and they get tried and it fail and it comes back around. And it's like the third time that it happens or the fourth time that it happens. We're going to talk the, about the other version of Babe Ruth that's currently in the MLB, Otani, but he's doing the same thing with him. He's batting Otani leadoff. Yeah. It's, it's he, and Joe has always been that guy. He likes the idea of a daunting at bat leading off. But, you know, some people just, it makes sense on paper and then it doesn't work. Remember David Ross before last year saying, Chris Bryant's my leadoff hitter. That's my guy. Because he said, that's my leadoff hitter. Because he gives the best at bats. I want him to get the most at bats over the course of a season. Let's put him there at leadoff. And now Ross knows that was a mistake because it messed with Bryant. Those two spots, man, leadoff and closer, huge mental hurdles. And sometimes more than that. Sometimes other spots in the lineup can mess with guys too. But, you know, Schwarber wasn't ready at the time. He's ready now. He's ready now, and he's absolutely destroying it. Yesterday, a player retired, and I was notified about it by a lot of you. A lot of people got to me and said, Hey, Spigs, did you see that Tony Campana officially announced his retirement? I know some of you are saying, Tony Campana, I barely remember that guy. I didn't know he was still playing. He was still playing, age 34, still trying to get it done. A 14-year career in baseball. He decided to hang it up. Why did Cubs have to give away Campana? When did he go over to to play with Arizona? (laughs) Oh, Tony. Undersized, really kind of speed only for Tony Campana. But he scrapped his way to the big leagues. And there was a point there. There was a a point there where he was super duper fun for the woeful Cubs early, early in my time doing middays at the score when I was singing a lot 
doing a lot of parody songs. And this is why I was tagged. Because Tony Campana, he deserved a song. And he got a song. And today, Sean Anderson dug through the archives and found the song. So we hearken back to a moment when Tony Campana was setting Cubs fans' hearts on fire. Little Tony, Tony Campana, Campana. the fastest cub north of Havana. Little Tony, Tony Campana, plays with so much joy, he looks like the bad boy, Little Tony. Enormous glove. With um, all due respect to Barry Manilow, enormous glove is better than they fell in love as a tagline to me. Tony had a really big glove. If you never saw him, trust me, it was a ridiculously huge glove. And he made it work somehow. I, I don't know how far his hand went into the glove. You know, I mean, it probably is as long as his hand was. But the point is the glove just kept going. It, it, barely legal, that glove for Tony Campana. So thank you for those that tagged. Um, one guy said, where does that rank on the non-Mitch Trubisky parody songs for Matt Spiegel in his career? That's pretty high up. I enjoyed that. Although there's a lyrical mistake in there that I regret. I never went back and fixed it. But the finest cub north of Havana, that really should be the finest cub north of Urbana. Don't you think? I mean, the opportunity that I had to reference Urbana, which is south, obviously. My God, it would have been perfect. But we make do. Here's what I need to remind you of in terms of the context of Tony Campana and what he ends up bringing to the Cubs long term. There is a play. When is this play from that I pulled? This inside the park home run against the Cincinnati Reds. I believe it's 2010, this inside the park home run. And you'll hear the uh, familiar voice of the former Cubs television guy on the call. Campana shoots that ball into the left field corner. Alonzo has it get past him. Castro will score easily. Campana on his way to third. Evanda Jesus is going to send him. He will score standing. And it could be an adventure for Alonzo in left field. He never got a glove on that ball. It rolled all the way to the wall, and it was almost routine at that point. Yeah, I mean, in his defense, Yonder Alonzo is a first baseman by trade. They're just trying to find a place to play him to get his bat in the lineup. And first game at Wrigley Field with all the odd angles and surfaces, he really had some issues with that one. First career homer for Tony Campana against his hometown Reds. Wow. If he'd have kept running, he'd end up with a home run and a double. So that's a fun call to listen to with Casper and Brenly, and a lot of good context in there from Brenly. Uh, Yonder Alonso, they're just trying him out in left field because Yonder Alonso, big time prospect for the Cincinnati Reds. Their draft pick at one point, one of the top 10 or 15 prospects in all of baseball, the third best first base prospect in all of baseball for a little while there. But the Reds had Joey Votto at first base and Yonder Alonso was never going to unseat Joey Votto. So they tried to make him an outfielder. He played 17 games in the outfield for the Reds 
and was absolutely terrible, clunky out there. That's what you do with a bat that doesn't have a spot. You put them in left. Oh, and that's supposed to work, right? It doesn't work for everybody. You've seen this many times by now in this town. It did not work for Yonder Alonso. So the Reds become convinced that Yonder Alonso cannot be a left fielder. So that offseason, they decide to include him in a four-for-one trade to the San Diego Padres for Matt Latos, the later future White Sox pitcher Matt Latos, who very famously had a cat named Cat Latos. True story. Yonder Alonso goes from the Reds to the Padres along with, get this, listen to these names, Edinson Volquez, Brad Boxberger, and Yasmani Grandal. That's the four-for-one trade for Matt Latos. Why does this matter, Speaks? Where are you going with this? Remember, Yonder Alonso, big-time first-base prospect. So there, December of 2011, Yonder Alonso becomes a Padre. And then Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein come together with the Cubs. And Jed Hoyer and Theo really want to get a guy that they've loved, a guy that they drafted in Boston to play first base. And then a guy that Theo traded to Jed in San Diego to play first base. And San Diego, because they're smitten with Yonder Alonso at first base, decides to give up on Anthony Rizzo and trade him for Andrew Kashner. I'm telling you, if the Campana inside the park home run is not part of what makes Yonder Alonso look completely untenable and unuseful in left field, I don't know that the Reds part with him in the Latos trade. And if he's not in San Diego, there's no way the Padres part with Anthony Rizzo in the, in the Andrew Kashner trade. And then Rizzo is not a Cub. So good job, Tony Campana. And I love when the baseball dots get connected like that. Rizzo uh, yesterday became, I believe it's the seventh Cub ever to have 10 seasons of 10 homers or more. He might only be the sixth one, the sixth Cub ever to have 10 seasons of 10 homers or more. Also, uh, speaks on uh, yesterday was his, I think, ninth year with the Cubs. He debuted on June 26, 2012 with the Cubs. So he just had his anniversary of debuting with the Cubs. Wow, pretty cool. And yes, seventh season of 10 home runs or more, or 10th season of 10 home runs or more, the seventh Cub in history. We'll give you the other six at some point here um, during the show, but I think you basically know who they are. A lot of Hall of Famers in there. But so thank you, Tony Campana. Thank you, Yonder Alonzo. And thank you to baseball for having the dots connected. Uh, when we come back on Hit and Run here on 670 The Score, let's update you on the current injury status of a whole bunch of dudes on both sides of town as we try and figure out who's going to be back when and what this might mean for roster moves and necessities for the White Sox and the Cubs because the Cubs need Matt Duffy and or Nico Horner. Where do those guys stand? Who do you trust beyond Liam Hendricks from the right side in the White Sox bullpen? Where does Michael Kopech stand? We'll update you on all of that when we come back in a moment on Hit and Run. Ron Coomer at 11 o'clock on The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? 
Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.